0: Things are really unpredictable. For example, might not be able to tell, but there's a haze from fires in the interior. And they just, it just arrived this morning because it wasn't like this yesterday. So you can see it better there because the sun is kind of blurred out. And the reason I mention this is because it was rainy for a couple days or cloudy without the smoke and I was thinking well after after the rain goes away I'll be able to sit in the sun and get a tan well can't really do that now because there's smoke and there probably will be for some period of time I think last year it was like that for quite a while spider eating a bug so as much as we'd like things to be predictable um, they're just not that way all of a sudden the smoke from the interior makes its way down here and it's, the sun vibration is largely inaccessible. And I got a little bag of high chews. I bought a Costco bag a couple weeks ago and I ate it pretty quick. So I got a small bag because they were at the drugstore where I dropped off my prescription for Nazanan, and. They said it's discontinued or they can only get the five milligrams, not the two, which is what I was prescribed. So they're going to have to do some dangling to get the fives and then get the doctor to change it to two and a half milligram prescription so I can take half. And my doctor also upped the dosage of Trazodone to up to 150 a night. I've been taking 100. 100. I could try 150 and skip the Zoplocone, but I've been sleeping so well and I don't really wanna mess with it right now. So I'm gonna keep up that same regime of two and a half quetiapine, 100 milligrams Trazodone and half Zoplocone, And I went down to one Benadryl. I might try to get rid of the Benadryl. And yeah, so high choose remember reading an article on drmercola.com saying it's good to have less than 67 grams of sugar a day well there's 25 grams in eight pieces of these so I don't really think I'm following that right now but I also know that light is more fundamental than matter and matter comes from light so when one has access to the light it doesn't really matter as much and uh, yeah I have a lot to talk about I think I switched into positivity or creativity writing more a couple of days ago I felt the switch and it's interesting because today so far I was sitting in Tim Hortons for like three or four hours having coffee and watching my deep abundance dive um, replay and I I didn't have any tense breathing yet. So it'll be interesting, because I don't think I've had the Spire in when the switch has happened. I haven't been wearing it as much lately. I, I should have worn it yesterday. I had a long conversation with somebody. But I didn't wear it, and I'm wearing it today. So yeah, I'll show that screenshot of Spire too. It'll be interesting if I have barely any tense breathing now that I've made the switch. The switch has happened even though I'm taking quite a bit of medication to sleep. So the meds don't really do that much. And I have thoughts on that too. So I've noticed that my brain is speeding up or I'm starting to have insights again. And this makes sense because I think it's about August 12th or something. And I think I really started struggling again in mid-May. So the struggle for me usually lasts about three months. And so mid-May to mid-June, July, August, mid-August so the three months is sort of up so it's time for my brain to speed up this is just the rhythm and I was I came across a study talking about how cognitive deficits happen more in bipolar people that are euthymic meaning stable and I think it means stable I don't know for sure But I was thinking about the word euthymic and it has the same ending as rhythmic so euthymic probably would be without any rhythm and I think bipolar is a type of rhythm that is different in a way so I have a rhythm of three months slowed down and then five months of sped up and And I was thinking about that, and I've been making some notes. So, I made something about euthymic to rhythmic. And so I wrote something about restoring the rhythm. When I write me in my notes, that's usually because it's something that came into my mind, and it's not somebody else's. Sometimes, yeah, I'll make a note on what somebody says, but I like to make the distinction when I authored something seemingly myself. So I wrote down that bipolar is a rhythm designed to destroy the old and create the new. And what I saw when I was saying that is that the supposed good mood, in quotes, is a creative movement. And whatever we create is often new And a lot of the world is based on repetition. So what we create is something often really new. And that's why we build a lot of energy from that, creating something new. And so that's correlated with the so-called good mood. And then the other movement is, you know, the so-called bad mood. But a lot of times, or sometimes at least, there's some energy in the bad mood In like anger or something that's a really strong energy and I think that energy is partly designed to destroy the new the old so in a way creating something new and destroying something old those two distinct things are part of the same kind of movement because destroying the old would imply making room for something new so i talked about this sort of thing before in different ways but this way i'm talking about it is a bit different in that the good mood creates something new and the so-called bad mood is destroying the old destroying it in the sense of if somebody with bipolar has A lot of anger to the point where they can't hide it like other people do then it's sort of augmenting that and people really see it and you know somebody who has bipolar diagnosis who has a lot of anger could destroy their family or destroy their relationships with their family and I think that's part of what is happening and is possibly kind of meant to happen and I'm not trying to say this in like being against families or anything, but our family system and our family history is part of our attachment. It's how we were conditioned growing up. And a lot of times when we go into so-called mania or creativity or inspired genius, our the energy we put into thoughts about our family structure is temporarily gone and in that way we can be super creative and then when that wave ends then we start to lose energy and we sort of go kicking and screaming back into the family structure often unless we're kicked out of our family structure you know we're like oh yeah we'll behave we'll take our medicines we'll we'll be in the family structure just keep us safe and I want to survive and then we end up having something like Um, probably like bipolar basement syndrome living in our parents' basement for the rest of our lives and being so-called euthymic. I don't know if euthymic means stable or if it means depressed but the study that I wrote or not wrote, read it says cognitive well I don't know if I'll go into that now I might there's lots to go into and I want to talk about more stuff because I'm seeing what I've talked about in new and different ways and I think that's part of the point is to keep learning so the other day I picked up a copy of one of the bipolar hope magazines, BP Hope. And I was just flipping through it and this little square box with a blurb in it caught my attention. And what it said was cognitive impairment, common in stable mood. November 15, 2016, Glasgow, Scotland. Cognitive impairment is widespread among people with bipolar disorder who are currently in a stable mood state, a new study suggests. Scottish researchers analyzed the results of 15 previous studies that included statistics on the prevalence of cognitive impairment. They found up to 57.7% of study participants showed noticeable deficits in executive function, quote, or bracket, ability to plan and organized organized bracket and attention slash working memory up to forty four point two percent had deficits in reaction time verbal memory and visual memory greater cognitive impairment was associated with um, more severe or long-standing illness and antipsychotic medication study journal of affective disorders and the study name is prevalence and correlates of cognitive impairment in euthymic adults with bipolar disorder a systematic review so i'd like to put this in another way bipolar disorder is said to be incurable so at some point if someone lives long enough they will have a a long-standing illness and it said greater cognitive impairment was associated with more severe or long-standing or long-standing illness so the longer we live the sooner it becomes a long-standing illness in any individual case and more severe well whatever that means exactly but and it also says it's also associated with antipsychotic medications well people who are generally on antipsychotics for bipolar not always um, but if they happen to be then it sounds like that's part of what causes or is correlated it says to greater cognitive impairment so cognitive impairment being the things that it said executive function decline the ability to plan and organize attention working memory and then 44.2 percent reaction time verbal memory and visual memory um, deficits and so point being at some point if somebody's diagnosed their illness will be long-standing if they live long enough they don't become of the become part of the twenty percent that ends up ending their life, and so it's saying here. And I would say that probably the longer standing the illnesses, the more likelihood somebody is going to end up on antipsychotics because those are are tranquilizers. So I would put more weight into the deficits associated with antipsychotics, maybe higher dose antipsychotics. I'm not sure because I've never been on high-dose antipsychotics for a long period of time. I'm talking, you know, the whole 800 milligrams of Seroquel XR, something like that. Right now, I'm taking 125 milligrams of quetiapine at night. That's Seroquel as well, but it's the fast-release and it's to help me sleep more than anything. So I don't think it interferes as much with my daily functioning. My brain twin said, oh, you're not on any antipsychotics during the day? I said, no, I take a bunch of stuff to sleep and during the day, well, during the day, I take vitamins and I think that helps. So the other thing that I think that this is implicitly saying, if you look at this from the perspective of someone someone with the condition, supposedly, that maybe having a stable mood state isn't a goal because it's saying if you have a stable mood state, you have a 60% chance of deficits in executive function and attention and working memory and 44% chance of deficit in reaction time, verbal memory, and visual memory. Well, that's not cool. So they're trying to make us stable, but by doing so... We apparently have these cognitive impairments. And I think for me and the context that I've, I've built for myself. And I've been building for myself. Um, if I hadn't built that context so long, I might look at this and be like, Oh my gosh, I'm so scared. But I look at it and I'm not afraid. Because um, I've learned so much about myself and understood so much about myself so I would say hey I'm not aiming for a stable mood and if I don't aim for a stable mood then maybe I get to keep my executive functioning you know maybe if somebody instead of trying to be in a stable mood and then having a 60% chance of less executive functioning notable noticeable deficits maybe I'd rather be 60% mania and have high executive functioning and 40% depression and have next to none. So 60% of the time, I have good executive functioning. So then I might say, well, if I can minimize the damage of the low executive functioning time or live in such a way that I can function minimally, um, and then not be afraid of the time of high executive functioning or so-called mania which steve pavlina emailed me back and he said something about how mania when shared is inspiration and genius and creativity or something like that and i was like "Hmm, that's kind of true and so also with what I'm looking at in this little blurb of a study. And this is why it's hard for me to read other people's information sometimes because one little blurb about a study, not even the study itself, will lead me to see a lot more into it than just what the words are saying. And so, you know, statistics on cognitive impairment. So they're saying that in a stable mood... know people will have 60% of people will have noticeable deficits in executive functioning which in brackets they say the ability to plan and organize okay well that could be important maybe and attention and working memory so the ability to plan and organize plan what organize what i think part of what happens with this bipolar thing is that cognition purposefully shuts down because our cognition not only because but our cognition is is conditioned all this stuff all our thinking stuff in the prefrontal cortex which is largely responsible for human cognition is conditioned it's not natural it's you know the whole thought structure of i need to be better i need this i should that i blah 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 and that whole thing shuts down and then we're not able to to plan and organize to be better and to make money at other people's expense or whatever the hell it is and attention well what have we been conditioned to pay attention to the economy you know monotony making money being a function of the cog in the machine like The brain, the areas that would make us a cog in the machinery of the world, shut down. And then we're said to be ill. Well, it's shutting down because we just don't want to participate with that anymore. And there are other ways we could participate. There are other things that we might pay attention to. You know, even our working memory is based on all our thoughts and memories that we've been conditioned with working in a certain way to be the working memory. And it's all conditioned. It's not it's not necessarily real. And it, And to some extent, through bipolar, the cycle of it, we've seen what that all does. And I've explained the mechanisms that work to break that down, too. And so, you know, also deficits in verbal memory and visual memory why is our visual system tied so much into memory it needs to be to some extent for sure but i think our visual system and our verbal system is changing in bipolar in that we can look at the present moment and have words created out of that creative words versus words from conditioned memory so the brain is changing in its, its algorithm. We might think that certain areas of the brain are designated for cognition. But in bipolar disorder, I feel like the brain gets in touch with something else. And some other algorithm. They say we use, what, 5% of our brain? And sometimes they say, no, we use more and everything like that. So instead of trying to get that 5% back or whatever it is that is human cognition and you could think of you know, 5% of the brain being used for human cognition or whatever it is, that's because our brain has been limited. We can only process a very little part of reality with the conditioning we've been given and there's a lot more to see and when we get in touch with those other structures of the brain or gain energy which is the energy not being wasted in the thought systems and the cognition of the human brain then we have access to being able to see more that we can't see but it's right here in front of us too it's sort of like the salience what is made salient in the infinite energy of any given moment changes by the changes in the brain and also, since our brains are quite powerful, that's another reason why the cognition shuts down, because um, the power of that would sort of just short-circuit the human cognition because it's so small. So if we are using 5% of the circuits in our brain for this little human cognition vibration we've been given through our conditioning, when that total infinitely more powerful energy comes in and tries just to go through human cognition it blows it out because it's such a little energy fragment of what is possible or potential so um so what i realized today partly but I've said this before probably in a different way at some point is that I think the fact that human executive functioning declining isn't a problem if we think about how that executive functioning is part of the five percent of the brain what we need to do is figure out how to function based on the 95 percent that has been edited out and ignored because of human conditioning You might not even call it human cognition. It's just human conditioning. It's not our actual separate thinking. It's just part of this big machinery of human cognition that we've been given. And so I think when that shuts down, what can happen is it shuts down and we have lower executive functioning probably when we're in a depressed mood, quote. And then when the energy comes back and we seem to be in a good mood, what happens is that energy goes in again and um, energizes human cognition. And since human cognition can't take that energy, it eventually destabilizes and sort of implodes. And then we're left again being, oh, 60% chance of, or 60%, yeah, 60% chance of lower executive functioning. Well, I don't think our function is to function the way humans are functioning with their executive functioning. Um, The illusion of separation is kept going with that structure. And that's not truly how it is at all. So I think what happens, partly, is that... You could call human cognition the five percent, or what have you. Well, when that starts to not be energized, human cognition is objectivity, seeing things as object and separate, seeing things as objects separate from each other, and then when this other brain algorithm comes online. what happens is I feel that we go more into subjectivity and the laws of physics become more fluid and the brain becomes more fluid. And as such, the reality we experience becomes more fluid. And this is easier to get away with among strangers, but when we're among those who were conditioned with the same brain structures as us like our family or or something it's harder to get to get away with that for a long period of time so one might think of human cognition as the center of human conditioning conditioning objectivity and something i realized when i was writing today when when that homeless man years ago he told me to create the dream center I realized in a way that, that I, I have been creating the dream center, but it's actually a center within consciousness or it's a different center in the brain or structure in the brain or scaffolding or algorithm of the brain. It's not necessarily a physical place yet. It might be a physical place at some time, but right now it's, um, yeah it, one could say that the 95 percent functioning of the brain is the dream center and it's being this material world becomes more like a dream world and this correlates or um extrapolates with what i was talking about and um how you know there's regular material consciousness and then when one starts to wake up that's when one sees everything being interconnected and that's more like a space of dreaming where everything in a dream is interconnected it's made of the same dream stuff so we see everything is made of the same dream stuff and so taking uh, medications to fall asleep becomes a bit more necessary it seems when one is surrounded by the material structure of thought and human conditioning but beginning to wake up and see life more as this dream. And so when one is double awake, it's doubly hard to fall asleep. Especially when time is different in that space. And the energy is higher, so it could be true that we don't, we don't need as much sleep when we're all awake together. So, yeah, I have a bit of a headache, and I think it could be the smoke in the air, or um, also, I haven't really talked to myself this way in quite a long time. Just very small snippets, and I'm finding it a little bit tiring, like, oh, like this takes some stamina or something glad I talked about that quote from that study but my point being I think one of the main important things to see is that the executive functioning that we take as so important as the way humans operate now um there are many other brain circuits lying dormant that we can activate that would give us um a different type of executive functioning um we would have, and I think that's something that I'm learning now um, by just sort of wandering and not really planning anything. So, yeah. Um, I think the executive functioning is part of the sensation of being a separate doer of which there's no such thing so we can learn to use a different part of the brain than that little five percent that has been energized to be this thinker that thinks it is a separate doer You know, we see this in bipolar or maybe mania or psychosis at some point. I don't know if everyone experiences psychosis. But if anyone's ever experienced the whole like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing this. Or being under the control of thought. It's really highlighting or augmenting so that we can see that we're being controlled by thought. And then we go back and we think, well, I have to control my thoughts, but that I feel is a misinterpretation. There's no me, there's no my that thinks. There is this process of thinking that is controlling us like puppets. So um, instead of not of trying to control thoughts, um, one would see how one is being controlled by thought, and thus negating it altogether not saying well i'm going to think this better thought to be controlled by Um, so for example when i was on the island and i had that poison feel like it went throughout my system and, and wanted to make it made me so afraid i freeze i don't do anything because if i do something then it has again then infected my nervous system and musculature as the doer thought has then moved me as a doer but if I stay still it hasn't created any of those circuits to go within the muscles because you know there's a thought like say somebody has a violent thought that's just a vibration in the brain but then one has to have those circuits of that behavior within the nervous system and the muscles and the body in order to enact it so say somebody's paralyzed and they have a violent thought they can't get up and do it for example sad example but true but if somebody has the capability in order to do that then they might but if we freeze and we don't do anything then we've just sort of broken the circuit this thought vibration tries to come in and move our whole body while we've disconnected between the thought vibration and the movement of our whole body and therefore it can no longer move us so say i have an overcoming um a feeling of terror that overcomes me And I just lay there and wait it out. I end up not calling 911 because I'm terrified. I don't have to go to the hospital. I don't enact that whole machinery around me to um, help me in some way. I can actually help myself by not doing anything. And then that loosens not only the sense of doership within oneself, thought tied to the doer of marionetting the musculature through the conditioned nervous system but all the doership of psychiatry that would then come to us as a result so say I have a negative thought of something violent and so I call 911 for help and I'm in this terrified state now the ambulance comes they take me in I go to the psych ward You know, they throw me in a room, they put me there for weeks, they medicate me, they have all these nurses and doctors around. Think of all the energy of all those gestures of all those people the ambulance driver, the person who built the ambulance, the person who created an ambulance back hundreds of years ago, you know, before it was a horse and buggy. All this machinery, you know, all the people trained as nurses, all the years they went to university. You know, this one violent thought in my head, or or multiple violent thoughts for maybe a few minutes. Maybe not in the beginning, but eventually one can get it down to a very small portion of time. And then it goes away, and then there's no need to call for help. Um, You know, that's one thought, and this little bit of time of violence, and I call for help. All these people come running to my rescue, and it's a big machine to gobble me up again into a system of thought. And other doers doing something to me because I thought I might do something according to thought that I apparently can't control, in quotes no, there's no I that can control it we're all under the control of thought and so when we break those circuits you know, it wants to move me it's putting all its energy into moving me to call for help or do something violent or to myself or others and I just freeze it's like those chains just breaking and then it can't have any control anymore and the trouble is though once if somebody gets back thinking well there's good thoughts and there's bad thoughts and I want the good thoughts and the pleasurable thoughts but not the bad violent ones well it's all the same that's why the pleasure of mania turns into the pain of psychosis or um, suicide feelings um, yeah yeah So I'm not saying don't call for help. I'm just saying that we can get to a place where we don't need that kind of help. And imagine if when we first were diagnosed bipolar that a friendly nurse or person with lived experience came up to us and said, don't worry, this will get easier. You'll begin to function in new ways. You're going to be able to harvest and harness your gifts, and um, you're not going to be as scared of it. You're going to be able to overcome fear entirely because of this, because it gets so augmented in you, and because you're able to absorb it into emptiness and transmute it. You are going to be really strong, and it's going to become less and less scary over time. But until instead we're told this is a lifelong condition. You'll have it forever. You're going to have multiple med changes. Your executive functioning is going to tank. You are going to get worse and worse over time. You'll probably need more and more medication over time. Blah, blah, blah. Over The more relapses you have, um, the worse it gets. So a relapse would be like an up and a down, right? And they're saying stay stable. Yet in this blurb that I just read, they're saying staying stable will make it so we don't have any executive functioning or a lot of people have less of it and I say screw that executive functioning we don't need it we have the other 95% of our brain that we can access and the trouble is that that 5% accessing it is actually what's wasting the other 95% of the energy because you know five percent of the energy and the cognitive structures of humanity is all based on fear you know we're trying to be afraid of everything through the news the media um, economy buy this to feel better you know if we weren't afraid we wouldn't buy stuff and so when that five percent goes away we now it's like emptying the cup of all the waste and we can wait and allow the 95 percent to come in which is the energy of love which is way more powerful and meaningful, creative, inspiring, and it could give us access to genius. So um, that's something that I wasn't really planning to practice this these last few months, which is not doing much of anything. I've never really done that for an extended period of time. And it's partly because of it's partly because of um just the way things have happened and now i feel like since i've spent so much time accidentally on purpose not engaging that 5% that that pitifully little bit of executive functioning that they try so hard for us to get back so we can be a cog in the machine of economy, of the economy you know what they do since we've lost that five percent executive functioning what they fill that five percent with is all the memes of illness of how now we're less than how we don't have any value well we don't have any executive functioning we don't have any value so they fill our brain with that um you know the whole psychological comparison and measurement when you know we're each distinct and unique and part of the greater whole part of the greater puzzle part of the big dream um, instead of part of the little machinery so that was another thing that I realized today in a way is that when we um, go into that energy where we have access to new information and new memes like pieces of it you know we have this whole meme sphere of the human thought conditioning and when our brain goes into that other state we're able to have access to new memes and new information but since they're not part of the whole collective structure of machinery which is it's nowhere but embedded in our brains and bodies of all those people who are working within that when we pop out of that and get new information it's like light it's not yet embedded in the material of the brain and body most people aren't operating based on those memes but we're able to see memes outside of the way that we're operating that might help to upgrade our operating system so since people like me bipolar people might have seen some of them but we're here 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 and everywhere in the world and we haven't been talking it together about what we've seen and had insight into or inspiration to see visions we're not able to make those those vibrations of new information into um, you know, thought stuff that would then help to to change the way we gesture and act, and um, the ways that we act and behave in mania. The traits that we have are, you know, we're able to pass them along a little bit, but we haven't been able to fully pass them along through the mirror n- neurons and the mimicry of humans. And part of what might allow some of that to start happening is by having dialogue about these these things so among bipolar people we have this understanding and then we're able to communicate with other people than than just our neuro tribe about what is happening here Um, that we have a different function we're able to see something beyond these thought structures that we all share and then when we pop out of it when we come back into it um we're kind of scared into thinking that we're some kind of crazy so if we've gone into a space where our brain is working based on a different algorithm than the algorithm we're programmed with which is human cognition and executive functioning as we now know it um I think we're seeing something that scientists themselves haven't even seen. So it's up to us to create a language and a way to communicate this so it can be seen. Sometimes if you just say a word like strawberry, then you, the person you say it to, the next day they're walking down the street and they see a strawberry that they might have otherwise overlooked. So the word makes it salient. Um, you know. So us being conditioned with so much fear makes fear salient. But there's, there's a lot more. Like the video I took of, of the sunroof with the water on top, because it had rained a little bit, and the clouds and the blue sky, like, that just looks so beautiful to me. And being able to see that beauty in anything, in something simple, is kind of a sign that the brain has taken on the beauty algorithm. You know, I'm not thinking about war. I'm awestruck by something so simple and um i came across a quote that i wrote down by ron unger that said psychiatry will be a force used to suppress spiritual or cultural innovation and i think it is being used to suppress uh, the innovation in perception and the algorithm or the functioning of the brain so you know executive functioning as we know it now is a certain algorithm but i feel based on our experiences of going into altered states of consciousness we need to delineate and make distinct and manifest what traits are coming into being in those states and through that be able to put energy into uh Creating those traits, so that now we have a different way of moving and functioning in the world altogether. And I've talked about that before, like embody one's mania. Um, but the more that I see about this crap about loss of executive functioning, the more I, uh, yeah, the more I just think it's a bunch of crap. So think about all the different traits and gestures that we have access to in so-called mania. Well, I don't think any of that has anything to do with human executive functioning. And the trouble with it is partly that it doesn't have anything to do with human executive functioning. We're not planning and organizing. We're, we're acting spontaneously. And um, so what I've learned a little bit from Steve Pavlina... uh, deep dive into abundance course that I'm taking is that we need to sort of remember the objectivity framework when we go into subjectivity Um, so an example of that could be myself where now I'm just seeing this now that when I go into so-called mania I don't do the actions of human hedonism because the energy doesn't go into human thought structures that would say that are based on economy like buy more stuff or um, gamble more money or um, you know sleep with more people you know it's just augmenting what humans already do but what I do with it is end up I end up creating all these memes that I want to share in some way which could be like a book. So instead of that energy going into running around wildly which would just end up getting me in trouble, it goes into seeing different memes. So I'm seeing the memes but I'm not necessarily acting on them. I'm writing them down and um, if I were to act on them I'm actually using I'm actually learning how to use was and were I'm finding it's usually supposed to be were, and I usually say was, but I'm actually finding how to to use that based on watching Downton Abbey with the subtitles on. They often say were, not was, and I really don't know how to use that properly. And um, I was realizing that it's possibly partly due to the fact that the way my brain seems to be wanting to evolve is... Not really talking about what was or what were, um, like what could have been happening or what was happening, which is all the past. The brain goes more based on present tense, and there could be something like a creative tense, um, which is something that is about seeing something that has never been seen or. You know, bringing a meme into existence, not based on repetition or recombining old memes. Um, Yeah, but... um, So, I don't know what I was talking about, but Mania Shared... I think I was trying to get to this, what I wrote down. Mania Shared is inspiration, creativity, genius, and I added meaning. Steve was saying inspiration, creativity, and genius. Which I've already talked about with myself before. But what I was thinking about is mania kept to oneself is hedonism usually. But when it's shared, like if one, instead of putting the energy into this ball of hedonism, if one channels the energy into grabbing memes, which can then be shared these memes that are shared could end up animating everyone a little bit differently instead of going into that space and animating oneself entirely differently to the point where everyone notices and then we get in shit. So I'm seeing now that this relates to what I was saying about not acting based on the energy of being terrified or scared. So that energy comes in, might act, make me feel like I'm going to do something violent. I call for help, and then I have all these people coming at me. All the, the whole reality conspires to swallow me up by psychiatry, which I don't think is wrong, per se. I think it can be stopped if we stop ourselves from acting. And in the same way, when the energy comes in of mania, we can, we can go based on and act all in these hedonic, crazy ways, or we can be composed and compose something write something down write out all of these memes of meaning that if other people start to read it might activate those brain cells from which you know the same vibe of the brain from which those memes were able to be um, harvested from nothingness and then people see in a bit of a different way so yeah i'm just seeing that there could be um, a reason to write versus uh act based on it because if we act based on it people start looking at us sideways and then they they capture us well we capture ourselves i think because what happens when we act that way and other people are acting based on thought if we're acting acting based on that creative energy of mania We're acting ourselves into a different world where not as many people are there acting in that way, mirroring that way. So then, uh, eventually it sort of gets pulled down to the consensus level. You know, thought is kind of like a union. It makes everyone unionized in mediocrity. And, um, when people are free from that, they're free from that mediocrity and, um, you know, people probably kind of get jealous. But the thing is, we can share it with other people. And the great thing about it is that, what I'm learning with myself lately, is that it can't be used in a self-serving way. The self-serving way is at, is augmenting the thinking structure, the current executive functioning that's based on, I'm a separate me and I'm going to get what I want for myself there is no me there is no self there is no separation so doing anything about that is creating an illusion and an illusion can only break especially when the energy of the universe comes in comes in to break the illusion and one of the ways it breaks it and makes it so obvious is by making it balloon so we can really see it because otherwise it's operating invisible to us so in the words of thomas metzinger that energy comes in and it makes that self-structure opaque it makes it visible it's no longer clear all of a sudden we see the spider web that we're trapped in so when i think about executive functioning again i can think about an example of of myself with my own kitchen which i don't have right now so if i had my own kitchen i would have my kitchen items everywhere in the cupboards Um, i'd have to organize that i kind of have to know where that is that all takes up a certain amount of space in the brain or capacity and then i would need to go grocery shopping several times a week and i'd have to know what's in the fridge and i'd have to know how to recombine them to make certain items of food i'd have to know when they run out i'd have to make a list i'd have to put it in my phone Um, So many different things. So the whole process of having one's own kitchen takes up a lot of executive functioning. It takes organizing and planning, which is what this study um, pointed to as part of executive function. So just having one's own kitchen takes a lot of organizing and planning. Now, it doesn't take that much organizing and planning if one is already out and about during the day, because one is never home. Um, to go to a restaurant you know grab a booster juice that doesn't take that much you can just see the booster juice and go get them and they'll do all the organizing of everything all you have to do is walk in and give them your money so you do have to have money um, some bit of money for sure but it doesn't require as much organizing and planning and so I've been spending more money on food because going out to get it made for you is more expensive than making it yourself but the organizing and planning of making it yourself is more expensive in terms of the energy of executive functioning so what I before probably would have said you know going to restaurants every day is bad but I think um, I think part of executive functioning is what would be, um, the judge, you know, thinker, thinking I should be doing this, I should be doing that, judging this, I'm this, I am that, and when energy isn't being wasted in that, and one's just like, okay, I'm hungry, I'm gonna get food, um, simple thing, then one's not gonna die, so then what do you have to be, what does one have to be afraid of? So, um, realizing hey if i'm not super organized i'm not going to starve and then somebody who's homeless they are usually probably able to get some food by the means that they do um, so what i'm saying is right now by virtue of my own living environment my executive functioning isn't being as stimulated by something like a kitchen but i'm not in fear of my life because I can go get food Uh, it's more expensive but it's cheaper in ways in that it doesn't take up so much brain capacity now imagine if I met somebody who wanted to start a little community with me like two people and they loved making raw vegan food or something um, living food then they would be putting energy into doing what they love and then they could perhaps feed me and i could do what i love and write and make new memes so the thing with the recovery movement and if one has a mental health issue diagnosed they're like well now you got to figure out how to do everything by yourself and i think that's part of the structure of the world you know besides people making new family units that is wrong like we're more designed to live in community and i think one thing that's happening with bipolar is that one is seeing the um Like the futility of some family systems just because we were born into a certain family doesn't mean we're meant to live and die by that conditioning and i think some of us are sensing that it's toxic for us and it doesn't mean that we need to be alone forever because we're rejected by our family but maybe we need to go find um, co-creative brains Um, people who like to fulfill certain roles of this person makes the healthy food I can make healthy food if I have the right tools and I have access to healthy food. I'm, I like to make, I used to like to make raw vegan food. Um, so everybody doing their own executive functioning to take care of their life, like mostly themselves and with the help of mental health, if they have a label, um, is a big waste of energy versus demi- designing some kind of co-creative swarm or super organism community and um, yeah I can go live as a dysfunctional family member um, in a basement or I can go out and create a new type of family co-creative scaffolding and maybe it's not possible but I think that we need to move past sacrificing who we are born to be for the sake of who family members think we should be and if we realize that we're caught in that um, just cut off that attachment and um, yeah I found a sheet of paper I was looking through some of my papers and I organized them somewhat And it didn't take as long as I thought and I found a little pile of things I might talk about but the rest of them, there's a lot of good information there that would be fun to go through with somebody one day but it's more like filed in the background now and um, I did find a sheet of paper with the seven S's of co-creation by Barbara Marks Hubbard and I got her book I got a book called Conscious Evolution or something by her on kindle we'll see if i read some of it but the seven s's which i'll talk about more later because i have the sheet at home they're synteny synergy synchronicity syntropy spontaneity self-creativity i think these probably are characteristics of of mania you know and i don't want to keep calling it mania i think it could probably More likely be called co creation when it's shared because mania is the process of keeping the energy to oneself and building a self and maybe turning hedonic. Whereas, um, if one grabs the memes but doesn't do the behaviors prematurely, then one shares it, it's part of co creation. And since it is so much energy, and it's the energy of non-separation non-separ- it is meant to be shared because um, there is nothing that we cannot share and then i found some words i wrote down for myself i made up the word transfer mystic transfer magic and today i made up the word transfer meme because there are these memes that can uh, transform us they're new memes and they're possibly memes that would give rise to different gestures not based on the self so i think what happens in mania is that the energy gets turned into self gestures a lot of the times um which is part of the mechanism you know um it's part of the mechanism if you keep keep this energy for yourself and you act in ways just to fulfill yourself with this energy it's just going to implode and you're going to feel like shit and you're going to have a uh, low as low as the high you just had so there is a mechanism in it that will destroy the self um or it will share in co-creation and i think um this time around not doing anything that would really be a gesture of the self or even writing down any plans or ideas last time i had this energy um it's allowed that self to to atrophy to shrink down so um so now if that energy comes back it might not move in the ways of the self so much oh and i kind of added the word serendipity because it starts with an s i don't know if that one Yeah, I think I like the word serendipity. The eight S's of co-creation because I think mania can have to do with serendipity and then one needs to share those memes. So serendipity is part of the meme extraction process. So yeah, I think that's the mistake we make is we act based on that energy And it's so different. So we're acting so different than other people. So we might have to be able to harvest these memes and have this understanding, but we can't fully act and celebrate in that way. It's so quiet here in the park. I just went for a walk around the park loop and the pharmacy called me and told me that they can't get any n, they can't order it. So, so much for that, for a possible strategy for sleep. So they are going to fax my GP and see if there's anything else that they recommend. Otherwise, I do still have quite a bit of zoplicone left, which is good. But I might be a little bit addicted to it but that's okay and uh, I want to keep talking for a bit since it seems that I'm in the mood to do so and um, I made another note about executive function that it's the current mode of it is based on separation It's based on the notion of a separate self. And really, there's no separate self. It's one consciousness. So we may have separate bodies, but it's one human consciousness. It's not separate consciousness that came into being on their own. We were given this human consciousness. We were conditioned with it. And... I wrote down again one of my favorite questions by Krishnamurti when he asked, is it possible for human beings to bring about a totally different category or dimension of the mind? And I think that's what's partly happening in mania. So when that happens, it's partly our job to help make that category or dimension available to others. So they might not be thrust into the energy of that not everyone will but some people will and they can bring back the memes and share it such that it gets embodied those memes those vibrations those memes they're encoded with meaning and those meanings change the brain and those when the brain changes the way we function and operate and gesture and move and relate and interact uh, changes And I wrote down a bunch of words here from a little um, mind map that I made. Well, it's a big mind map, sort of. And I have it posted on my wall. And I was thinking about how oftentimes in in recovery, they might give us a pie chart and be like, well, rate your pie, and they might have like eight sections, and they'll say like, rate it from one to ten in the center, like, um, like health, uh, family, relationships, work, um, mental health, blah blah whatever. And so when I did this mind map, it sort of reminds me of how limited that pie chart is that they might give out for us to fill in and to me these might be more of the sections of the pie of a a, a bipolar brain than those basic, maslow's hierarchy of needs type sections so here are some of the words subjective objective learning dialogue meaning perspectives possibilities sound vibration energy consciousness human potential flow dreamscape creativity spirituality potential humility Altruism, oxytocin, intelligence, swarm, superorganism, resources, nature of reality, quantum physics, sharing, wellness, love, questioning, fun, laughter, celebration, nutrition, values, traits, lifestyle, scaffolding, lifestyle design, wandering, wondering, divergent thinking, lateral thinking. Um, I would add manic thinking and memes, function, motive ubermensch, harvest harness, practice, experiment embody, perception insight, action inspiration, genius nature, oneness participate, beauty strangers, phenomena and I would add gestures so that's a lot more pieces of the puzzle then these little dimensions that we're told are, are the big pieces of life. And at some point I want to put together some sparks for the bipolar brain, um, meaning it's kind of like combustion. It's like the fuel Um, Like the brain is fueled by inspiration. And so showing some like inspirational YouTube clips or things like that can provide some fuel to spark the brain, which gives it access to a higher vibration. And then it can go into sort of thinking for itself and creating for itself. So I think, for example, people with low executive functioning or executive function however you say it so if someone with bipolar had low executive function they might get like an occupational therapist and a rec therapist to you know show them through the motions of cleaning and cooking and all that or you could just give a string of inspirational youtube videos and that person's brain will be sparked into a higher level of functioning than that It needs inspiration and then the life that we're given after a diagnosis is not very inspirational so it doesn't provide the fuel and then also the medications they're they're tranquilizers not they're not medicines they're not fixing some kind of chemical imbalance they're just tranquilizing us and I'm not saying I'm against that I think to tranquilize oneself so one can sleep at night is important actually if that's the way it has to happen for a while at least. And for me, since I was able to come off all medications for five months, I don't think, and I was able to sleep and do everything fine, Um, I don't think, at least I know that it's possible that I don't have to take it at some time. But it's not necessarily the ultimate goal. It's more inspirational to think and harvest new memes. And it seems that... If one exercises that aspect of the brain, then one can have access to it at any time. It's possible that part of the reason why I'm able to have the energy come back, even though I'm taking medications, is that I've fully exercised this part of my brain that thinks for itself, so I can go back into that. And that provides fuel to see more and more and continue this communication with myself. and and also when that study was talking about memory I'm thinking that memory like personal psychological memories are going to be less and less important they're not very important and if we base the way we operate on personal psychological memories then uh, what's going to happen is there's going to be more and more Alzheimer's people not functioning because they don't have their personal psychological memories. But the thing is, life isn't personal and there is no self. So when that self is starting to get erased, those psychological memories, it's just erasing a structure that is false and illusion. But the trouble is when we have been trained to operate only with that way of being then we're in trouble because if our our personal memories which is part of the cognition starts to go then we can't even take care of ourselves. we can't do anything so um, those same types of behaviors and necessary actions of personal care can be restructured in the brain and rewired in the brain in a different way that's not tied into the motive of the self structure that is not, that is um, based on separation. So for example, if all of that is built into a sort of habit structure, the self is actually a habit of thinking, a way of thinking. Um, If that structure starts to break down, then we lose our functionality. But if we are able to uh, act based on perception in the moment. Then, if we get up in the day and we walk out of our room and our bathroom's there, we know to shower. It's based on perception in the moment, and I think the structure of the brain is trying to change to be housed more based on perception, action, and less based on habits of the self. And. I just saw the guy who says that he sees Bigfoot in this park and so I'm walking the other trail mainly because I don't feel like having that conversation right now and it made me think of how our inner subjectivity is so different and how we want to share that inner subjectivity with others like he'll want to tell me about bigfoot or something and there's nothing wrong with that i took a survey yesterday online for somebody who's doing a study on spiritual emergency and one of the check boxes was have you ever seen a bigfoot or a yeti or something like that so it's part of that process i personally have not seen bigfoot yet Just kidding. Um, Still haven't seen Bigfoot. So it's not necessarily a problem. He just has this very intense energy. Funny enough, he's wearing a jersey with the number that I used to use in elementary school. And quite a few sports. So it's like a sign or a synchronicity. But, you know, we're walking around physically in the same park. But we have very different inner stories going on. And um, his inner story is very different in detail but he's experiencing some urge to share what he's seen and believes and things like that and I think I saw him in the park yesterday too and then when I was driving I did a couple of laps of driving before I went home I think I saw him riding a bike in the dark Um, so then that's when I was like yeah that was him so he's here pretty much every day Probably looking for the big feet or foots. Again, nothing wrong with that, but it's pretty intense. And I have my own memes to process of my own inner subjectivity. So and I've noticed that it's getting darker a lot earlier. So I won't have much time to walk before I have to go home still smoky and last night i had a terrible dream i felt somebody it felt like arms were coming through my bed and i was laying on my back and there's somebody like shoving their fingers in my armpits and like right here and like i was trying my hardest to get away and it was just grabbing me and i felt like me trying to get away was the same Force that I was trying to use to wake up I knew I needed to wake up in order to get away from that sensation so is that not symbolic or what sometimes I feel like this awakening process there's this energy that wants to drag one back and if I wasn't taking the sleeping pills or if I weren't taking the sleeping pills I still don't know was or were where or whatever Um, then I'd probably be in psychosis while awake but I'm able to sleep but there's still these elements even in sleep you know and that's why sometimes oplacone and other sleeping pills can cause bad dreams because there's this kind of like negative force that wants to stop it from happening and it was trying to get at me in my dreams And it could be a sign too, that I've been taking the Zoplocone for too long. So I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna up the trazodone a bit tonight, and then I'll decrease the zoplicone a bit to maybe a quarter the night after and see what happens. this light. It looks really cool. Whoa, it's like playing the strings. It's just coming through the sunroof. It feels like playing a harp or something. This is the stuff that happens when I start to shift into the more positive space. Calling it more positive isn't really an accurate description. And I'm waiting to go into my counseling appointment. And the company I had left yesterday, oh, sometimes. So back to a normal routine, I guess. And it's August 16th. So half the month of August is already gone. I'll probably leave for California on on September 28th. So I just have a bit over a month to go, so that's not too bad. And I bought a bag of high chews because I really like these right now. I'm eating super unhealthy. I had, I ate a whole small pizza yesterday, and yeah, just eating candy and unhealthy stuff. And um, I'm okay with that right now because it's sort of congruent and and equivalent to taking all these psych meds that i'm taking right now last night i managed i took um 125 milligrams of trazodone uh 125 of quetiapine i took a gravel suppository somebody told me about this and i replaced the benadryl with that but taking two benadryl is actually cheaper than a gravel suppository but I'm pretty sure this Nozanan medication that I got... I didn't get Nozanan. I got a um, generic version, which I don't care. It's called Methoprazine. Five milligrams, so I can take half a tablet at night as needed. And they gave me the the blurb about it. And the doctor or the pharmacist said I shouldn't really have any bad reactions to it per se, though I've never taken a, like a promazine type drug, so who knows, and um, I think I remember reading online that it's not great to take, um, oh yeah, allergy medications. Well, I think just because it could make you even more sleepy. So I might give it a try just to see how it works. So that way I can um, talk to my doctor about it next time I'm there. And also getting a break from the Zoplicone would be good. Last night I took a third of a Zoplicone. I didn't take a half. I took a third. So I might do a third again tonight or maybe I'll try this half of a whatever this is just to give it a try. See what the difference is and see if it makes a good switch from cold turkeying onto this one instead of the Cone. And trying this too will be good because if it doesn't work very well then i move on to trying something like CBD oil which I'll get when I cross the border probably it's getting too hot in this car even though this is really nice I'm gonna get out yesterday I went to value village and I bought a bunch of books and a few DVDs which I never do Which is probably a sign also that I'm switching into happy mode because... I don't know whether it's salience or not. Because, for example, if I'm not in a happy mode, if I'm not on the manic side of things, I'll go to Value Village and there'll be no books that I like. And there's no books that I like. But yesterday when I went, being in a more happy mode, I probably bought like 10 books. Even though I don't really have a ton of time to read... Um, I'm going to try to read some of them, but I feel like at some point, um, like maybe when I get back, if I come back and get settled with whatever, reading some books and and talking about them, like extrapolating them as I read them, because I often have extrapolations in mind when I do read books, but unless I have a proper process of doing that onto video or writing a book. I think doing it on video would be easier because writing a book is like having to put it in a a logical order that makes sense. Whereas if it's a conversation with oneself, then it's a conversation. So I got some good books. I'll talk about them later because I don't have them here with me. And one DVD I got was this. And it's... I've never seen it. And I'm going to a friend's house to watch a movie tonight. So he might already have this. But this is like the... Tudis special edition it's not even open and I think this is what might have set off the London Drugs alarm at the door when I went in I got it at Value Village but the alarm went off and it's probably because this was stolen and it was never demagnetized I wouldn't be surprised about that and then I went out and it beeped again but they didn't really make me stop they're like oh it beeped when you came in so if they would have thought I stole something if they had this there they might have thought I stole it. I doubt they have this there, but on the off chance, they'd be like, Hey, you stole this. When I got it at Value Village yesterday, and that's in my bag because I'm going to see a movie with a friend. They would have Blu-ray anyway. Maybe not DVD, but maybe they would. I don't know. And then I also got this movie because of the title. And um, it's called... Well, the first one is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest... And the other one is The Last Time I Committed Suicide. And yeah, I don't know what it's about at all. But it could be interesting. And then the other book that I, or the other DVD I bought was a movie about Kinsey, who is the guy who created the Kinsey scale. Which has to do with sexuality. So I didn't bring that one. Because I'll probably just watch it on my own. Um, I don't... I know the Kinsey scale is something to do with being gay or straight. I don't know if it includes whole, the whole transgender thing. Or not or not. But we'll see how that arose. And it's kind of interesting. Because it's a movie about a researcher again. And I watched on Netflix. A movie about the Milgram experiments and that researcher Milgram and that was interesting, it was to do with people who were willing to shock other people because the people were saying, hey, you gotta do this for the research and um, like 65% of people went all the way to the end of the shocks, even though the guy was no longer making noise or responding on the other side of the wall so yeah, it's how it makes sense. We're mostly conditioned to do what we're told by perceived authority, which extrapolates to mental health. We do what we're told according to the perceived authority of the mental health system, you know, dressed up in their scientific coats and everything. And I'm not necessarily against that anymore, but um, I see it as, as something that we can outgrow. And that's a hopeful thing. Imagine if we're told when we get diagnosed, hey, you'll outgrow this whole system. And I guess that's what they want too because now they're they're closing people's files at mental health and just having the GPs prescribe medication. And so they don't want us to be a part of the whole hospitalization, acute care, being transferred to community mental health, uh... They want us to just take our meds from our GP and go on with life. And I don't fully agree with that because I'm going to um, take the meds to get to California and then probably try to lessen them again and prove to myself that in a beautiful environment that I really enjoy, I probably don't need very many applications and and creating the lifestyle of being a snow chick which is something that I have wanted for a long time and there's other levels to that which I'm learning from Steve Pavlina um, and I'll talk about that later well the other levels he talks about as tools which I'll go back I'll go into more later he mentioned number one which is like money in terms of abundance and then number two is having an abundant lifestyle and that's what I've been working on with myself is having the lifestyle that I want despite the fact that I've been diagnosed bipolar so being able to go on a trip for an extended period of time might be hard for somebody who has that label and I'm trying to do that have an abundant lifestyle and that gives me hope to keep going even in the times when Um, some other energy comes in and, and makes life really challenging and that's something that switched by taking this class with him every day is now I'm sort of curious about challenges whereas before I would shy away from them like con like apparent conflict or something with other people and then the next level he talked about was the level of creating a good story or sculpting one's character and I see um sculpting one's character as possibly something to do with embodying one's mania and then creating a good story uh, for me might be well creating some of the stuff that I was told to create in my very first so-called mania or altered state like the dream center so it would make a good story if I was able to create that when it was basically a so-called delusional state so moving towards creating that even if it is what I was talking about before, um, awakening the dream center in the brain. Um, so we we move a lot based on cognition of a separate self, which is conditioned. So my thing that I'm I'm seeing, and I don't know if it's my job to really like research it or anything, but I'm seeing as a hypothesis, as a possibility that. It's not necessarily going to work for us to try to function again based on executive function of the prefrontal cortex and precognition and conditioning because part of the this thing that happens in mental health crisis is we get, we get deconditioned in a way and all that we use to function is sort of taken away from us because all of it is innervated in a matrix of a self that isn't there. So if if all the cognitive functioning and thinking is based on this presupposition that we have this separate entity of a self inside of us acting autonomously then when this deconditioning of that falls apart then all of our functioning falls apart because it's all tied together. Um, but for me you know we have a whole huge other area of the brain that we can use and I think it could be you know, I could call it the dream center instead of, say, the, the prefrontal cortex area. Um, it wouldn't even be a center. It would be the dreaming capacity, dreaming while wide awake, living one's dreams while wide awake, as opposed to um, living like a drone. So that would be a good story. And that would be something that would build, you know, quote, my character, um, And I've seen what my character could be as how I was in so-called mania. So embodying one's mania. So maybe I have talked about that to some degree. Um, The good story. Sometimes I think parts of my story are really bad. But they could end up being blessings in disguise. So I'm starting to see that. Um, Like it could be memorable that somebody talks to themselves for you know 600 to a thousand videos right now I think I'm at 650 but and I'm doing longer ones so the number doesn't really matter but I did a rough calculation that I've probably spoken close to two million words to myself like this over about 250 hours so I'm still going and I still have a ways to go because um I'm looking for a certain result. So if I publish whatever before I get a certain result, then I don't think it's as powerful. So the next thing I'm doing is, well, maybe not coming back. I'll be coming back, but in a different way. And um, so creating good story. And then the next level he talked about was relationship with the universe or nature of reality. And... What's interesting about this is I realized that that's what I've been doing this whole time is exploring the nature of reality, of so-called bipolar reality um, with myself, with the universe, you know, talking with the universe in dialogue or whatever. So he talks about those different sort of lenses for looking at abundance. And I might not have an abundance of money, but I have an abundance of an ability to explore the nature of reality, and my relationship with the universe. So that top level that he's talked about, I don't know if it's a top level, it's just a level. Um, I'm creating something based on an abundance of that, which is these videos. And hopefully these videos show a story, it's going to be a pretty kind of slowly unfolding one. Um, But maybe my physical story doesn't matter as much as creating this relationship with the universe um, and helping other people to see things like this, so I'm gonna check the time because it might be my appointment. This is what I'm taking for supplements and meds. Got my lithium orotate, sunflower lecithin. Zinc, Glycinate, Melatonin, and Quetiapine. These are both Trazodone, even though they look different, and so is that. And about a third of Zoplicone. And today I ordered more supplements on Vitacost. I used to use this to hold the phone up and balance it and it just broke this part here Mm. time for something new I posted the seven S's of co-creation on my wall as well as acts of kindness which were there before and this is the scale of consciousness but I'm not going to talk about that today I just want to quickly tell myself what books I got at Value Village and why I got Me too E, Finding Meaning in a Material World. It says, choose your issue, do your research, build your team, I need to build a team, call the first meeting, make a plan of action, take action, have fun. So I'm thinking that when I get back from California, I'm going to do a bunch of reading. And I got a book on the psoas muscle. These were all at Value Village. Very important to strengthen your psoas muscle. I learned about that a couple years ago. Um, This is probably kind of fluffy, but it's Think and Grow Rich for Women. And... I like it because it talks about creating a mastermind group and that's sort of what I want to do is create some kind of group of brilliant bipolar brains oh that's kind of a good meme brilliant bipolar brains and I got this Doctoring the Mind by Richard Bentall Why why Psychiatric Treatments Fail and I flipped through it and at the end it talks a lot about CBT I don't think CBT is the ultimate answer but this will be a good book And I got, this book is more about, in the workplace, accessing group wisdom, in the workplace where the universe is our workplace as bipolar people. And I just found that this book has really good questions. It has objective questions, reflective questions, interpretive questions, decisional questions, and... Evaluating the process of a project, um, where has the work gone easy? What could blah blah blah? So, there's just so many different questions, and I like questions, so I got this book. Yeah, it's just kind of really good for projects, and at some point. When I have a team or a mastermind group, when we have a team, me to we, then that could be helpful. And then this one is take more action, how to change the world. I've recently realized, hey, wait a minute, same authors, same person probably donated the book. I've recently realized that I think, as a person who experiences mania, it's not super great to act. I think we gotta get the memes down. Like, if you think of cognitive behavioral therapy, I created something else, like a different acronym, something meaning dialogue. We just get the dialogue and the meaning going, and that will change the whole field and will change all our behaviors instead of trying to fit back into the box. This is a really old receipt. Where's the date? Oh, 12-22-2011, before Christmas. That was the year that I was uh, hospitalized. Interesting. Receipt for this book, it was $50 and I got it for $5.99. This receipt is really faint, so yeah, it's a good deal. And it talks about people who take action, but and different things, but yeah, so eventually, I think. When there's a team of people, we can take some more action. I think in Mania, we try to take a lot of action. And because of our actions, we get captured and reprogrammed back to thinking that we're a separate me, when really we are a we, we are one humanity. And then, this was interesting, you are what you say. And I'm still waiting to find out when that documentary, you are what you act, will be out. I have no idea, but a proven program that uses the power of language to combat stress, anger, and depression. And this will be interesting for me because I've done this myself. I've sort of talked to myself so much that I have my own context of meaning that I've created for myself and that acts as a buffer to the memes that would have me... Uh, feel like I'm a mental patient or um, I can't work to understand myself and I have to rely on what other people have told me to think about myself and when I think about myself in those ways I don't learn, I don't understand myself and then I just end up afraid of every little thing that could be called a symptom so um, yeah it could be Kind of interesting what does this say discovering language it talks about Helen Keller so I'm gonna read that at some point point. and this one is one great insight is worth a thousand good ideas so at some point I'd like to figure out what insights or ideas that I have might be valuable in some way to maybe manifest abundance so it's possible that this could provide some clues and the last one was I had to get this one for sure because this is the lady Carol Deweck who I watched a video I don't think it was a TED talk and she talked about mindset which is growth mindset versus I still can't remember what it was like static or uh, I don't know it doesn't say in here but static mindset or fixed I think it's fixed mindset so I would say growth for sure. So, yeah, I'm gonna read those at some point. And today I watched the movie The Last Time I Committed Suicide. And it had some actor dude and some actress lady and Keanu Reeves, who actually wasn't the main person. I didn't know anything about this movie, but it was about a man named Neil Cassidy. Who I knew nothing about watching the whole movie until the end when I googled him and he was a part of the beat generation, which I had no idea what that was until I read a bit of the wiki and it was something about the post-World War II era when people started writing in a certain way that broke down the literary way that was very structured and couldn't be broken, so they broke it. And what was interesting in this movie is the guy, the main character, who played Neil Cassidy, who, that's who it was supposed to be, acted like a crazy manic the whole time. I think he was manic for like 20 years and then died. And he was part of the psychedelic movement in the 60s. He died in the early or late 60s or something. But this guy is seen as sort of a... uh, cultural hero in a way and he didn't really publish anything but if you go on the wiki page of neil cassidy and you go to the literary section um, if you read what the little blurb is there it's just like manic babble so it almost seems to me like these people who got access to this sort of they even said in the wiki article if you look in the wiki article of neil cassidy and also beat generation you'll find a bunch of clues and it says in the wiki page that he was sort of writing like stream of conscious manic they even use the word manic so it seems like people after the after world war ii started writing in these ways and being like counterculture and reading neil cassidy's thing it said he was in relationships with men too it didn't point to this in the movie but he was bisexual obviously and seemed hypersexual in the movie and just going up against all the social norms and breaking those open and that's sort of what like a manic does but now if somebody was to behave like that now they have a big psychiatric system to capture that person into and just say you're nuts so um yeah there's a lot more to it i would say watch the movie it's not i wouldn't say it's the greatest movie but it's interesting and then i don't have time to go into it and extrapolate it too much but if you read the neil cassidy wiki as well as beat generation then you'll see the clues read the writing that he did It's totally manic. And I don't mean that in a pathological way. I just mean that in like a stream of consciousness, creative type way. And he was that way. And now there's a place for people like that to go. And um, yeah, I have a lot to talk about right now, but I don't have the time. I'm finding myself, if I have a chance to hang out with someone, I do that. And... I'll talk to myself later, though so it doesn't really have the same energy later, but I think by now, uh, maybe I won't really talk about stuff as much, and and I'll point to the clues more, like, hey, there's a clue in this, because I feel like, Uh, just demonstrating how a brain can find subjective meaning for oneself and harvest it and extrapolate it to how one's own subjectivity and brain algorithm is working in order to see that it's not really it's not pathological it's i'm seeing that subjectivity goes between like a historical way where people where one is interacting with people who are wanting to talk about the past and then there's this other way that's more creational it's more creative that is like not even thinking about the past and it's in the present and perception is creative in that when one perceives something one also can at times harvest meaning from that that one creates subjectively and it's fascinating or one can maybe look at something and then perceive beauty like in a colorful dead leaf or um, perceive the potential Um, gesture of generosity or What have you? There's a lot more energy in that. So I have more to talk about on that later But for now I need to go to sleep Take all these pills. Oh Yeah, this is I didn't talk about this. This is taurine and I Lately, I haven't been able to swallow it at night. So I put it in a bit of water. It doesn't really taste like anything. I just empty the caps into water and I drink it. And it doesn't taste like anything, so it's fine. I could have ordered taurine powder now that I think about it, but I forgot. But I do have the caps in the morning. So I did order supplements today from Vitacost. Um, I was only going to order, say, 100 bucks worth because I didn't have any coupon. But since I go through a website called Giving Assistant, they do 4% cash back through VitaCost. I keep forgetting to pay with PayPal. I think you don't have to pay with PayPal, but I paid with my credit card. I ended up ordering $160 worth because I got... Or 180 because I found a coupon for $30 off. 180 so that's almost... That's a bit more than 15%. So that's good. And so I paid about 150 plus a bit of tax and I got quite a few things. I took a screen recording of what I got and it's pretty much adding up to quite a bit. But I'm going to keep going with it until I'm in California and then I'm going to reduce... Not only the meds but the vitamins I might even try to go back on Hardy Nutritionals for a few months because it's a lot easier system and also I remember Hardy Nutritionals they said don't take different amount different amounts of minerals but you can do more vitamins and amino acids so I might be able to do a modified version of that in order to use some of those up and yeah so I'm going to keep Going with it. I feel like, from what I've learned, that the environment is a lot more important. And when one gets that right and feels safe and relaxed and in a good vibe, then um, one doesn't really need as many meds, I don't think. And I have it in my calendar that yesterday marks eight and a half months on the balancing brain chemistry supplements. And, you know, I'm still having to take quite a few meds, but. It could be that taking all these supplements is what is making it so I don't really have any side effects from these meds. I don't feel off during the day or anything. I feel completely fine and normal during the day and um, I did have some anger for a while but I think I'm coming out of that and that's why I have more energy and um, I've been thinking about that cycle a little bit differently. Like now that I'm on the up cycle this time, I'm not going to lay around. Cause I laid around probably on the upcycle last time and then I've been kind of taking it easy and going with the flow and hanging out and being social during the three months of not so good time. So the three months of not so good actually wasn't that bad because of the way I strategized. So now um, I'm not going to go crazy with the energy. I'm still going to try to sleep as much as I can, but I might, um, I'll talk to myself more for sure to show the difference and uh, talk about it in different ways because I've learned some more things and more in the books. There's so much to talk about and I'm glad I'm taking the Steve Pavlina abundance course because he talked about those levels and the level of the nature of reality and relationship with the universe. That's sort of what I do for bipolar and at some point I won't use that word anymore but right now it's a helpful bridge for other people who might function like this but have been thinking of themselves in terms of someone who's mentally ill and I don't think that's true I think there's a mental shift going on and uh, so many things and um, yeah I think learning how to use the brain differently not with the self and I was thinking a little bit about near death experiences how people say oh I was watching myself like in a crisis like that the self isn't needed it's actually an impediment but then we think oh it's so special like there was no self there and everything was kind of light and wonderful even though it was a crisis that can happen we can experience life that way when we're not in crisis the thing is that we're always operating with the self and it doesn't have to operate and the more we can learn to operate without it the better because the universe is taking it out in terms of um autism alzheimer's Um, mental health crisis that results in non-functioning well if we learn to function with the other areas of our brain that aren't this little bitty seat of the self then we will be just fine and i think more than fine and that's what i want to possibly explore in the next six months or so or eight months and hopefully it will be a fun ride